Hey, Top News listeners, this is Luke Garrett. And Megan Cloherty. We're the hosts of WTOP's daily local news podcast, The DMV Download. Don't worry, top news from WTOP isn't going away, but we wanted to drop in and give you a taste of what we're producing, a podcast that goes deeper into the biggest stories of the day. If you like what you hear, head over to the DMV Download podcast and subscribe. It's Veterans Day, Friday, November 11th. From inside the WTOP newsroom, this is the DMV Download, brought to you by Steamfitters Local 602. Get an estimate and learn more at steamfitters-602.org. Today, the Vietnam Veterans Memorial marks its 40th year. It's one of the most unique places on the National Mall and likely the quietest. Its reflective black granite wall forces visitors to see themselves as they read the names of thousands and thousands of Americans killed during the Vietnam War. It is truly a magical wall. It's amazing the connections you get through it. That's Major General Sharon Bannister. WTOP's Kate Ryan went down to the wall and talked to Bannister about her story and how this wall went from an object of criticism to a place of reflection and reverence. It's not just a memorial. It's not just a piece of stone. It's people's stories. Thanks for joining us. I'm Luke Garrett. Megan Clorty is off today. Russell A. Taylor. Kenneth W. Worthily. Those are the names of Americans killed during the Vietnam War, now etched in stone along the black granite wall carved into the ground of the National Mall. Once dismissed as ugly and unpatriotic, the Vietnam Veterans Memorial is now four decades old and seen as an iconic symbol of reverence, sacrifice, and to some, even magic. WTOP's Kate Ryan went down to the wall and joins us now. Kate, thanks for being here. Oh, thanks for having me in. When you were down there, you know, what did you see? But most importantly, what did you hear from those visiting? Well, one of the things I did was just listen. And when you visit, I highly recommend this because you're going to see and hear people connect with each other. The actual veterans, their families, they trade information on, oh, where did you serve? Where did your father serve? And they really do connect on a number of different levels. And I watched as one of the yellow hat volunteers, that's what they call them. Sometimes mm. They'll just go, oh, go and see one of the yellow hats because they wear yellow <laughs> hats. Directed a family member. And then I approached her to ask her about her experience. Um, and that was the woman who had on her volunteer jacket. So she introduced herself to me as Sharon Bannister. Then explained she's with the Air Force. Then said she happens to be the director of medical operations for the entire U.S. Air Force. Folks, I was talking to a two-star general. um, Volunteering. Volunteering on her day off. And as she explained, her connection to the wall is deeply personal. Her dad's name, Stephen Rush, is on the wall. He was shot down three days before my sixth birthday. So it's my way to be close to him and other people that have given their lives. She was days short, as she said, of her sixth birthday. Mm. Her little sister was just three. And so growing up, they grow up. She has memories of her father. I later read in an article that is, I think, on the Wall's website Um, that her sister talked about struggling to find a connection with a father she never had a chance to know. Wow. And and the reason I bring this up is this is a woman who gets it. She gets the experience of those who visit for the first time and connect it and make it real Mm. and human. It's not just a memorial. It's not just a piece of stone. It's people's stories. Mm. 
And so did she talk at all about, you know, how personally she connects with the wall? She did. And she talked about being at the wall, working with the other volunteers. It's like having uncles, brothers. I feel like I have a family. It's a wall family. And as it turns out, some of the volunteers, one of them actually served with her father. Wow. So think of being able to link your the memories you have of your father and ask that person questions. You know, I didn't know this about him. I didn't. Mm. What was it like? And um, just an amazing thing for her to have. And after hearing Bannister's story, it's really hard to believe that when this memorial was launched and opened 40 years ago, people criticized it. People really were not sure if this was the right thing. You know, bring us back for a second to that time. What were they saying? Keep in mind, the war really tore the country apart. Mm. And I know that we hear that this nation has never been more divided right. than we are today. Well, as and I'm going to date myself here as someone who was a child at the time, but was very much aware of how split people were over this issue. So here you have a team that wanted to recognize the men and women who came home from a war that didn't have a clear victory, Mm. that had been criticized in terms of its stated goals, its execution. It was a war that we saw in our living rooms in real time. We saw the ugliness for the Mm. first time in real time. We're on the outskirts of the village of Kamni with elements of the 1st Battalion, 9th Marines. And we were walking into this village when you can hear what happened. So how do you honor the sacrifice of not just the dead, but the living who came home to a sometimes hostile, often indifferent society? And the design itself didn't glorify the war. It's not the standard brave soldier standing up on a hillside. Right, there's no statue at all. There's no general on horseback. Well, later statues were added, keep in mind. But so the initial design was like they had questions to answer. How do we recognize the sacrifice without rubbing America's nose in it, yeah. without making it uh, a defeatist sort of symbol. And they wanted the politics out of this. Robert Dubeck, who I talked to, uh, one of the co-founders, was adamant about that. There should be no political message here at all. Mm. So imagine the challenge. Right. right. I mean, an epic one. Some critics uh, of the wall, of the design, keep this in mind. When you approach the wall, you're going down on the path. It, it actually is an incline that you go down mm-hmm. and you actually enter into that wall. It kind of surrounds you. So it's an amazing experience. But many people saw that as, are you trying to bury this? Are you trying to hide it? Are you trying to obscure this? Are mm. we ashamed of our service? Are we ashamed of ourselves? Why would you do that to these men and women who serve? So that's kind of, it's the very design of it that graded many people and really horrified some. Very, very different kind of uh, uh, creature that was created. It's so unique. I mean, it really does not mimic the marble neoclassical style of the rest of the mall, you know. To me, what always struck me was like it, it looked like a wound almost into the National Mall. It's fascinating that you say that because one of the most harshest critics said it's a gash of shame, a black gash of shame on the National Mall. Yeah. And and again, it's understandable to see how the emotions were so raw. It's again, it's it's sometimes hard to bring home just how fever pitch the emotions were. But uh, it, it was just such a challenge for the people who wanted this recognition to balance all of these varied interests and then 
look, this is a political town. Right. So you've got that going. Right, right, of course, always. But now, you know, fast forwarding to now, it is such a place of reverence. Um, It's probably one of the quietest places on the mall just because it strikes you when you go there. And you mentioned Dubeck, and he's been there throughout this entire process. And, you know, to me, and tell me if I'm wrong, kind of represents this change of heart or this evolution of what this memorial has become. Tell us about him. That's true. And one of the things about the wall, it lets those who visit it take it in in their own way on their own terms. Some just pass silently. Some touch the wall. They take rubbings of the names. Others leave letters, cards, trinkets. I've seen uh, favorite brands of cigarettes uh, of of those soldiers, Uh, just all kinds of things. And there's no, again, political statement. It doesn't tell you how you ought to feel about it. It Mm. lets you feel about it in your own way. And Dubeck says, again, this is the man who, along with Jan Scruggs, another famous name of Vietnam Veterans Memorial Fund, they uh, raised the money, lobbied for the space, and fought off all the criticisms. But he does say when he first saw the design, he was a little bit ambivalent mm. about it. It just was it because he said it shouldn't also just be the the a memorial to the dead. It should take into account the experiences of those who returned. But he said, after watching people react to it, mm. he came around to this is the right design at the right time for the right purpose. From the beginning, we set a theme that this memorial should be reflective and contemplative in nature. And he tells one incredible story 40 years ago when it opened, and it actually opened November 13th. And apparently there were two men standing side by side, both looking up at the wall, searching for names. And all of a sudden, they turned to one another and realized that they had been looking for each other's name. They had been in the same unit, and they had both believed all those years that the other had perished, and they found out that they both had made it. They did not know that the other had survived. After all that time. And here they meet after all those years. Whoa. That's what they're talking about when... Dubeck and the and the volunteers talk about wall magic. Mm. There is a magic of connection that seems to happen there. It is truly a magical wall. It's amazing the connections you get through it. And again, no matter how you feel about the war, how you felt about the war, how you feel about military, the role of military, there is a humanity mm. that is allowed to happen because of the way this thing is constructed. And I think, too, when people kind of go there with open minds as well. Right. Now, you tweeted this morning, you know, you couldn't believe that you were able to speak to these people at the wall. And you made reference to the Lincoln Memorial and the Washington Monument. You know, do you think this memorial kind of stands with those huge, huge, iconic fixtures of our National Mall? I do. And I'll tell you why, too. And and it's one of those, like the FDR Memorial that and the Korean War Memorial, there are people who are still alive who connect with those. Mm. And there is no way to quantify the power that has when you see someone literally just trace their hands over Mm. the names. And you can see it. It pulls people in. And I I taught history, um, and I always urged my students to go there and and take it in. And I often would tell them, too, uh, the average age of those who served was 19. Mm. 19. 
Some of my students were 18. Right. They could, they got that. They, they, if that hit home. Mm. And I have to say, I always take a close look at the letters, the cards, the things left behind. And I want to share this with you. This caught my eye. It was from a young woman who lost her father in the war. And it just said, my dad, my hero, my guardian angel, you make the stars shine bright. I love you always, forever, your little girl. Her father to her will always be this young man that she sees in pictures. She will always be his little girl. It's frozen in time. But when you visit there, you can kind of get past the the barriers of time, the barriers of our political differences, the barriers of age. You know, young people and older people see it, take it in and get it. And again, connect to, you know, other Americans and I think basically humanity. Well, Kate, thank you for bringing us, you know, this sliver of that experience that you can get when you visit the wall. And we obviously encourage everyone to go visit, you know, this Veterans Day or whenever you have the time. Thank you so much. And after the break, we'll hear about a big announcement from the National Park Service to mark Veterans Day. Stick around. Backed by the experience of its hardworking members, Steamfitters Local 602 is ready to take on your next commercial heating, cooling, HVAC, or refrigeration project. Steamfitters Local 602 adds value to our community through its partnerships with local contractors and building owners, all while keeping the focus on improving the lives of its members and their families throughout the DMV. For work that's on time and on budget, go to steamfitters-602.org to schedule your next project. That's steamfitters-602.org. Steamfitters Local 602, changing lives. Explain your DNA on, on 10 cases, man. You're inside the police interrogation room with the alleged Potomac River rapist. I'm not guilty on any of this stuff. So calm, so reasonable. Could this be the man who terrorized women for nine years before murdering a brilliant scientist two decades ago? Experience one of the most fascinating true crime podcasts available. Join crime reporter Paul Wagner for Unknown Subject, season three of WTOP's American Nightmare series. Search American Nightmare Podcast on all podcast platforms. And before we go today, the National Park Service just announced that all U.S. military veterans can now go to national parks for free. It's a big, big, big deal because we all have driven to those beautiful national parks and had to pay for a car fee. And um, those costs add up. What better way to thank veterans than giving them free access to some of the most beautiful, awe-inspiring places in our country? And this country has a lot of them. And then I'll do it for us today on the DMV Download. We're brought to you by Steamfitters Local 602. And our music is by Real World. Rate and review this show if you get the chance, if you like what you're hearing. And even if you don't like it, just let us know what you think. You can also find us on social media and dmvdownload.com. The DMV Download is a product of WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area, 107.7 FM in Virginia, 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland, online at WTOP.com, and of course on the WTOP News app. Have a great weekend, and thank you to all those veterans out there.